the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In what way does the testimony of the Holy Spirit consist? Well, there's two ways. One way is in directing the writing of Scripture, and the other is in bringing the objective truth of Scripture into the subjective experience of believers. That's where we left off on yesterday's edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, directing the writers and then making it real to you and me. Welcome to another edition of our broadcast. He'll elaborate on those two responsibilities of the Holy Spirit as we present another edition of the broadcast, a daily visit. I call it a a devotional time. I hope you're able to spend it with us uh, each day. And this is an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. The first is his direction in writing God's Word. 2 Peter one twenty one teaches that the Holy Spirit directed the human writers of the Bible as they worked. And the verse says, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The verse teaches that the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are the result of the breathing out of God given to us in the Holy Spirit. Now, when we speak of the Bible as being inspired, we believe that the authors produced and wrote exactly what God wanted written. That God chose the authors and prepared the authors, and when the authors were sitting down to write Scripture, that the Holy Spirit gave guidance so the very words that they wrote down were the words God wanted written down. Now, why do we believe this? Well, the answer is because Jesus believed it. And how do we know that Jesus believed it? Well, there's a story that's told about the Sadducees who were trying to create a problem for Jesus, and so they confronted him with a hypothetical question. The Sadducees said to Jesus, there's a man who marries a woman who dies. She remarries, the second husband dies. Happens seven times, everybody's dead. Whose wife is she going to be in heaven? Which is a remarkable question to ask because the Sadducees did not believe in life after death. So it really was a hypothetical question that they were asking in order to set Jesus up. And so Jesus responds to them, you do a remarkable job of displaying your ignorance of the Scriptures. (laughs) He did. insulted them. It's in the Scriptures. And uh, and he he said to them, um, uh, let me clarify to you that in heaven we're going to be like the angels. We're not going to be given in marriage. That marriage is something that God designed between one man and one woman here on earth until death do us part. 
which is why that phrase is used in marriage ceremonies. And so Jesus basically corrects them in their misunderstanding. And then Jesus continues by saying, now, about the resurrection that you don't believe in. Um, And then he refers to a story in the Old Testament where God meets with Moses at the burning bush. And at that bush, God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, the point that Jesus was making here is that Moses lived 400 years after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had lived and died. 400 years later. If they had ceased to exist at death, then God would have said, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Past tense. But the fact that God said, I am, present tense, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, meant that even though they were not alive in this world, they had not ceased to exist, that there was still life after death, that he continued to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So you see, Jesus believed that that the very words of Scripture were inspired exactly like God wanted them written, even the tense of a verb was significant. Now, there's also a second way in which the Holy Spirit bears witness, and that is by taking the objective truths that are recorded for us in Scripture and applying them to the individual's heart and mind in a subjective way, that we experience these truths. Well, how does the Holy Spirit do this? Well, first... He gives us understanding or comprehension. There's a lot of people open the Bible and up and, and they read it and uh, they say, this doesn't make any sense. Well, there's a reason for that. And it's described to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, the man without the Spirit, the Spirit there is capitalized, meaning an indication of the Holy Spirit, a reference to the Holy Spirit. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That's why we pray that the Holy Spirit is our teacher and gives us understanding, because other than, other than the Holy Spirit, we, we can't understand God's Word. It's spiritually discerned, spiritually understood. And so God's Holy Spirit gives us understanding. And then the second thing is, he gives us conviction that what we read, we, we come to realize that it's true. We're sinners. We cannot save ourselves. We're desperately in need of a Savior. And, and the Scriptures tell us that that Savior is found in Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior. And then the next step is commitment, that the Holy Spirit draws us to make a commitment to Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, and that He comes to live within us. And so there's two ways that the Holy Spirit is fulfilling by providing us Scripture and then taking that Scripture and making it real in us and to us. The Holy Spirit will testify, and you must testify, Jesus said. You must testify. Again, there's three elements. First, there's the assurance that the gospel is indeed true, that we come to recognize that the Bible is, is true, And then secondly, that we experience that personally, that we put it into practice in our life, that we try to do what the Bible tells us to do and try to not do what the Bible doesn't, tells us not to do, and that we see God's power at work in us and through us and around us. And and then finally, 
we express that testimony, that we tell others about God, how we have experienced God, not in a theoretical sense, but in an experiential sense, how he has changed and transformed our lives. Now, here there's a reference to those who have been with Jesus from the beginning. That's a reference to the beginning of his ministry. These disciples were the first eyewitnesses. But as D.A. Carson points out derivatively, this can be applied to later Christians. Walford writes, the first witnesses set a model for later ones. As the apostles witnessed, the Holy Spirit persuaded and people were saved. The same combination of human obedience to the divine command coupled with the witness of the Spirit, is needed in every generation. Christian witnesses made possible by the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our own strength. But as we witness on behalf of the kingdom of light, we're going to experience resistance from the kingdom of darkness because those two kingdoms are in conflict, which then leads us to the next portion of Scripture in chapter 16, verses 1 and following. I have said all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. The reference in verse 1 is to giving up or falling away. It's not merely to have your faith shaken a little bit, as some of the translations render the passage, it means to stop trusting, to stop believing, to cease putting one's confidence in. Now, it's a characteristic of organizations, and and particularly religious organizations, to paint a very glorious picture of their future and to play down the hardships and sacrifices that are required. But that's not true of Jesus Christ. He was interested in full disclosure. And when the church is facing persecution, it's especially important for prospective converts to have an idea of what they're in for. Jesus said that if we're going to follow him, we must take up our cross. Not his cross, but our cross, and follow him. That if we suffer with him down here, we will reign with him up there. That he was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He said of his followers that we're going to be in the world but not of the world. And that the world will hate us. And he made it all very clear. He never said it would be easy to be a believer. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. What Jesus was saying is, when I leave, the hostility of the world that has been directed at me is going to be directed at you, who represent me. These things I have spoken to you that you shouldn't be offended. The Amplified Bible translates, verse 1, I have told you all these things so that you should not be offended, taken unawares and falter, or be caused to stumble and fall away. I told you to keep you from being scandalized and repelled. The word offended in the Greek is an interesting word. It's the word scandalizo, from which we get the word scandalize. It's from a noun, scandalon, which referred to a stick that was used to hold up a trap. 
You see, a, a hunter would set a trap an enclosure or cage, they'd hold it up with a stick, and next to the stick they would put some baits, some food or something like that, and when the animal hit the bait, the stick came down and the enclosure came down, and the victim was snared. The scandalon was the trigger that triggered the trap. Now what Jesus was telling his disciples is that I don't want to find you in the world unaware of a trap that has been set for you. I don't want you to get trapped without knowing it. Hmm, sounds a little like uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse. This is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. We'll hear the balance of this message on the Friday edition of our broadcast. I hope you can come along. We'll be back at the same time. This is an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, a nonprofit outreach and your financial participation would be greatly appreciated. You can join with us when you go to the website studyversebyverse.com and if you've missed any of the messages in this series you'll find them there at studyversebyverse.com. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. Be back tomorrow when Pastor Layton will once more open the Word of God and we'll study verse by verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.